we have a very good experience here with RPA. We start using that four or five years ago. We start using. We probably have about 350 bots running on daily basis. I've seen too many technology, large-scale technology deployment has failed miserably because we haven't aligned the process or haven't understood the all end-to-end -end process. It's kind of challenge uh, because the you know we're in the commodity business, the margins are historically very low. If you look at from a Tesco, we are, we are a 4% margin business, which means that you have to be watertight on your capex spend. It's, it's really important. Welcome to GBS Masterminds Podcast Season 3. CIOs are from Mars, GBS leaders are from Venus. Today we have two amazing guests, it's CIO and a GBS. I'm going to ask Rogerio to introduce himself first. Good morning, uh, my name is Rogerio Perez. I'm originally from Brazil. I lead the IT team here at JBS USA. Uh, we are based here in Greeley, Colorado. Our company, we do beef, pork, chicken, everything you like to eat. We have plant-based products as well. And, you know, very nice to meet you and very nice to be with you guys here. Hi, I'm Sumit Mitra. I'm the CEO of Tesco Business Solutions. Uh, we manage, um, from a Tesco perspective, Tesco Retail, Tesco Wholesale, Tesco Bank, Tesco Mobile. So we are almost seen as a horizontal organization supporting all the businesses across the Tesco group. Sumit, this question is for you, being a GBS leader. There is a perception out there that the business teams or the GBS office is the office of the fairy tale. Specifically, what that means is you desire a lot of latest and greatest technology, uh, maybe get a bunch of nice demos from vendors, and you expect the CIO office to sign off. What are your thoughts on this? Is this perception true? Well, I'm going to categorically say absolutely not. I think it all depends on how you're connected to the organization. In some ways, I criticize GBSs um, about knowing the content, but not getting enough of the context of the business. So if you're a GBS that has the business context, i.e. understand the strategic drivers of the business, understanding the three-year plan of the business, then you're not going to create a fairy tale, are you? You're going to create something which is real, that delivers efficiency, and connects to the purpose, values, and the strategic drivers of the business. I think that's that's the key for me. I'll give you an example. In, in, in Tesco, the way we do it, we have a team called the Applied Research. They mm -hmm. don't work in isolation, actually. They work very closely with our finance team, as well as our tech team, to make sure that we get the right SIDCON funding to test and learn. Because there are many technologies out there that could help us. So once we do the test and learn, and we feel it works, we then extrapolate into a business case which has the right return on investment, and then we take it to the to to the CTO CIO to make sure we get the large scale transformation support that we need. All right, Rogerio, since uh, you're a CIO, uh, there is a perception out there by business leaders that the CIO is the office of the no. Is this perception true? They feel like when they go to the CIO's office, they're always said, "No, we can't do this," or keep it to the core ERP. Uh, please clear the perception. So, I think there is always things in both sides, right? Yes, we can do these things. No. The, the main point about that, that I struggle a lot, is about strategy. Strategy for like major companies, right? You don't you don't ask, uh, you know, SAP, let, let's build an operation system now. What if we do 
these are the things here that you know your core let's you know uh, build a browser things like that you have to stay with your core and whenever you do this you're in the right direction and sometimes people ask things besides there and you have defined your strategy already and you cannot keep changing things all the time right yeah can we use a different crm solution why right so the answer should be no because we have one already we have defined our strategy for example i think that's a lot of those things there that people confuse about, you know, can we change the direction we're going all the time? No, that, that doesn't make sense. Otherwise, there are always opportunities to, to improve and be more proactive sometimes. Got it. Makes sense. So maybe a follow-up question for you. Uh, this is specific to GBS, Global Business Services, Shared Services. It's happening a lot, as you know, uh, multifunction, multi-location. Uh, do you think they should have more control in uh, IT or tech decision-making. Um, just curious, uh, your thoughts on that, as well as how do you do it at JBS? So JBS is a little bit unique from most uh, shared services company. They use a shared services area. We have some areas, they are centralized. For example, everything around, uh, you know, the ERP, core ERP centralized here in US for, you know, pretty much all countries. Uh, on the other hand, we have an, a separate IT team in each other country, so they're managing, dealing with other things like uh, account services in different teams, etc. I think the main goal should always look at the standard standardization and make sure we have core and standard process across the globe. And that's why we fight a lot about changing. So have we decided, for example, uh, to do a solution on collections as an example, right? So we're not going to change that. And we want every single country to respect that decision. And we'll make the decision together. Sumit, do you think GBS should have more control in IT tech decision making? Uh, of course, you're on the hook for delivering value, outcomes. That's the sole reason of why GBS exists. But you're kind of also constrained by IT. So I'm just curious, what kind of control and what kind of collaboration should be there so that you can control your destiny? Yeah, I, I, th I think there are there are two aspects of it. First of all, collaboration is, is absolutely critical in terms of how do you partner with technology and with each other. Now, I see technology execution in two different parts. One is about the stuff that technology does to improve customer experience, innovation, things like, in, and I, if I give an example in Tesco, we, we came up with something called Woosh, which is about 30-minute delivery of, of products and, and shopping into, into our customer. The work we do around building platforms in, in terms of our high value customers uh, through our club card. So these are big critical things that drives hundreds of millions of benefit for the business. And that always takes priority. Then there is the second element, which is about the infrastructure where GBS sits on. And there are a number of things that you need to do to ensure you drive a very efficient value adding GBS. And that can only happen through understanding the prioritization between the bigger tech organization versus your GBS organization. And how do you ensure that you are in that priority list day one? And that comes from a very clear planning, having a two-year, three-year transformation strategy in terms of how do you execute your efficiencies and how do you improve your customer experience or supplier experience or colleague experience. And then connect those with your uh, CIO and CTO organization 
to understand how do you fit in into the priorities. So I'm going to switch gears a bit and ask you more of a tech question. RPA has gone through like the classic Gartner hype cycle. If you rewind like four or five years back, everything can be automated. Everybody can have bots. But I have personally heard from some of our own clients and a lot of CFOs and CIOs and others are saying that the RPA is very brittle. It's a short-term band-aid to a process, but really it cannot really automate an end-to-end process. But I wanted to get your thoughts. Has it been similar experience at JBS? How are you handling this? We have a very good experience here with RPA. We started using that four or five years ago. We started using. We probably have about 350 bots running on daily basis. We are here. We have like a, a center for excellence, like we talk about shared Zev. So our team here is primarily building a few bots, but also training people in each business unit. If you're going to invest like, I don't know, 30 hours to build a bot that's going to save 15 minutes a person, you know, maybe it doesn't make sense. Not necessarily is the best solution there. But on the other hand, in 50% of the cases, I think I agree with what you said. It is more like because there's no integration and we haven't built that integration. So in many cases, there are other ways you can deliver that where we have a few bots here that capture data from, for example, like there are some public websites or people that don't have an API or something like it. We can connect our system. That's a very helpful solution as well. Uh, so I would say that's kind of half and half. In some cases, yes, there's opportunities we should integrate the applications more instead of, you know, having a kind of work around with some bots that we have. Sumit, uh, for you, what has been your own experience at Tesco? What is your recommendation for somebody who's embarking on a RPA automation journey? Excellent. So let me start off with by saying that um, if technology is the bullet train that you're going to sit on to, to take you to sort of the new destination that you're going after. For your bullet train to run, you need two tracks. And to me, the true tracks, track number one, is the culture of the organization. Have you got the right culture that is change ready, ready to adopt to new technology, the business change? Because, business, because technology can be as good as it gets, but if the business isn't ready, if you're not change ready, you can't deploy the technology. And the second mm-hmm. thing for me is the process, because sometimes I've seen too many technology, large scale technology deployment has failed miserably because we haven't aligned the process or haven't understood the whole end to end process and understanding that end to end process is really important. So those are the two kind of basic foundations. And in Tesco, we did exactly the same. We, we worked on the culture. Parallelly, we built something called the service model framework where we said, instead of 700 odd processes in the business, let's you know, shrink it to 10 key processes and then really map those processes and understand what the ideal process would look like. And then once you've done that, you have a, almost an open slate to bring in the right technology to execute, the to drive the right business outcome. So if I give you an example on RPA, so we mapped those processes, understood those processes, and we understood, and then we worked very closely with technology to understand where the big scale technology transformation is going to happen. And then anything that is not happening within the next two years, we said, okay, RPA would be an answer to go in and automate anything that is task-based, rule-based, mundane, and, and, and put robotics on it. And anything that is coming between the next 12 to 15 months, let's leave RPA aside and let the mass scale transformation happen. So 
over the last five years, we've deployed over 400 bots. And that's taken out almost 800 colleague worth of efforts, which is fantastic. But as we drive and, uh, and execute more and more uh, modern technology and systems, we remove those bots. But one advice I would always give is make sure that uh, the availability of bots is there because when you take out a number of colleagues from the business, you're very much dependent on those point automation. The next question is around budgets for transformation or IT projects. When you see more traditional companies like JBS and others, a lot of effort is always going on the SAP upgrade. Like uh, it seems like perennially I can see uh, you, uh, since you're a customer of ours, you're going through a massive S4 upgrade. I can see the JBS S4 ward behind you as the picture. So what are your thoughts on that? Like, yes, you should do SAP, but then is it also not enabling the company to do other optimization in the short term? That's a very interesting question. We have done, and of course, the majority of our investment in the last couple of years has been directly to, to uh, uh, S4 implementation here. So it's a multi-year, like six years project here. And it's going to you know use a lot of investment for us to get there. On the other hand, it's always critical to think how you're not you know, falling behind in other areas there. So in, in our case, it's kind of challenge uh, because the, you know, we're in the commodity business, the margins are historically very low. And, you know, this year probably uh, one of those, you know, low points that limit our uh, ability to keep investing in some other things. So, but one thing is critical about that, such is, uh, is related to uh, the strategy. Like I said, as long as you have a good strategy and you have defined that very well, you know, you still going the right direction there. Uh, I, I think those are, are the main point is really invest well in defining clearly where you want to go, where you want to be. And with the help of the business, right? The main point also is, right, so when you talk about this transformation, IT, in my, in my point of view, right, uh, uh, related to, to projects about that should not necessarily be the, the driver of that. It has to be the business. Who are the key sponsors for that? Without that, you are not going to move forward. And the first thing you're going to do is really cancel those projects, whenever we have a situation, like I mentioned, some restrictions from capital there. So that that's why it's very important you are well aligned uh, with the strategy there. And the other thing we do a lot about this, for example, we have several several projects we start investing using AI, machine learning, in, in very interesting projects. It will take me a few hours here to, to explain some of them, but make sure there's a payback because especially that in our case in operations, when you talk about our plants, that becomes really challenging to, to replicate because it's not the same. The environments are different. There are the external factors that can influence that. Sumit, at Tesco, how do you manage budgets? How do you make sure that you're trying to do some experimentation, some big transformation, some people are not being left out? Like, how do you drive the whole budget approval process? Sure. Uh, I mean, if you look at from a Tesco, we are, we are a 4% margin business, which means that you have to be watertight on your capex spend. It's, it's really important. So we have X million of budget overall in terms of capex that we've committed to the city in terms of, and, and our investors, in terms of how much we're going to spend year on year. So here, the long-term planning is very important. This is what I said earlier on, is understanding your transformation plan. It cannot be random. It has to be based on a long-term transformation plan. 
and which is based on some of the seed con funding that you've used to understand what technology you're going to bring in in your transformation plan. And then really have a solid business case. And business case is not always just financial and payback. It's around, does it really impact our customers and therefore driving incremental revenue growth? Does this improve cash for the business? But also, does it improve colleague experience? And then you prioritize to say, okay, what's important for the business if you understand the strategic drivers of business? And then take it to your CFO, group CFO and say, look, this is the transformation plan. This is the cost I'm going to take out of the business. And here are four or five software benefits that we can measure and, 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 and take into account while we're doing it. And then you almost phase out the requirement of CapEx over a three-year period to say, this is when sometimes we over ask for things, I think, which, which is difficult, then you lose credibility. So what's important is to be real and then maybe increase your CapEx ask over a period rather than having a very heavy CapEx ask in the first year. You got to prove something, make sure it works, and then you build your credibility with the business. And that's how you kind of, uh, you know, drive long-term vision for your organization. Got it. So maybe a follow-up to that from a funding standpoint, almost all IT projects require some type of business case ROI. Some are like hard ROI, some could be soft. How does a business case scrutiny happen at Tesco? How do you, after the fact, when say IT project kicks off, keep everybody honest? Do you have any recommendations? Yeah, we are very, very clear on this. We need to have the, as a retailer, as a four-person margin business, as I said, you need to have the right governance and control uh, in terms of how you're spending your capex. Now, in GBS, um, what we do is my CFO within the business is accountable for um, implementation reviews. So, for example, we have we will have a steer core. We have agreed a business case which gives the X amount of return. Now, yes, there is a hesitance in terms of what that return could be. But the way I look at it is if you're confident that a technology will deliver an outcome, then there is no, there shouldn't be any hesitation in terms of stating a range of benefit. I think sometimes we go after a specific number. I am quite happy with the range in terms of this, this is the range of benefit that it would deliver. And then my CFO, depending on the complexity of the project, monthly or bi-monthly or quarterly, he will sit and own the the transformation journey to make sure that um, you know the right milestones are achieved and then the second lot of a third lot of cash will will be released to make sure so that if we fail something we fail fast and then we close it so a constant monitoring and governance is really important to have that financial discipline in the business so what is the culture at JBS for that? Yeah, we, we we have a lot of projects they are mandatory right so for example uh uh, recently, California and Massachusetts, they changed the regulation. We have to do some change how we deliver uh, pork meat in those states there. And it, it is what it is. Either you do that and change your process there in order to provide the information they want, or you don't sell there. It's as simple as this. So again, you're going to do that. There's legal yeah. requirements and things like that you have to do regardless. And there's risk projects like a little bit of, uh, you know, a big part of this for project for us was, of course, a transformation. So we know the technology and the support is going to fall behind in several years projects. So we had to start sooner than later. Uh, and the same thing was a big part of that as well. So again, we 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 know there's a lot of things that we can't fall behind. When you talk about really 
payback is a hundred percent on the business side. They have to help us. They have to understand what's the investment they're going to make is their capital, not our capital. So that's why we how we do this. So to make sure there's a commitment from their side, you know, in order to really uh, uh, validate that that project makes sense. Got it. Awesome. What is your one ask from a business leader? Could be CFO. Um, or a GBS leader, kind of like your pet peeve, something that you wish they did differently? That's a tricky question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you have a lot, but I'm curious the top one. <laughs> yeah, but uh, again, I, I think the main thing is really, and it's a little bit about our culture here, is related to people, right? So when, when we, uh, we see the values of the company, right? To talk about simplicity. So everyone here has a, you know, a similar style. And if you meet our our CEO or our CFO, you know, around, you, you want to, you know, this is the CEO of the company, even the global CEO of the company. They're very common people, right? So one thing we like about that a lot and how the people, they, they, they're really <laughs> understanding here. So uh, uh, the leaders, the leaders of our, our business units and you know uh, our company in general they're very close to everything that's going on they're uh, close to the people so they know people they know our team here as well so one thing that i like i really appreciate is how much they are engaged and know the people and know the projects that they are doing with them you know so the more they do this uh, is always beneficial you have no idea i'm gonna tell you this because it was really funny I have done, and I do every single interview here, Sasha, for every single employee in, in my team here, in the IT team here. It's nice. not the first or the second, but several times, several times, people come to me after the interview and or after they are hired and say, Roger, you know, you're the first CIO I ever met. You know, people are, you know, surprised that, you know, we are dedicated, but Come on, guys, this is the most important thing. What are you talking about? You know, if I make sure that everyone that joins our team is like we expect, you know, and, and they're very, you know, sometimes very proud to be able to meet our CIO, uh, their CIO, the CFO, the CEO of the company, which is, you know, very approachable there. I think the, the main thing for us is really make sure that this exists, right? We are in the same team. We are doing the same thing. We want the, the same goals, different roles. But our goals are the same, regardless of where we are. I think that's a, a very strong thing. And I hope, so being specific about your question, that the, our leaders always keep this attitude about caring about people, being close to the people, because that's what makes the difference. Got it. It's almost like, a, it seems like a very humble, down-to-earth culture at JBS. Sumit, you've been a very seasoned GBS leader. You've worked with probably a lot of IT counterpart leaders, CIOs and head of ITs and so forth. What is your biggest pet peeve with a CIO? If you had to give like a good advice as a business exec, what would that be? My advice to, 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 to CTOs is, is sometimes we go after big prioritization, uh, things that will deliver millions, which is a multi-year project. But there is a big tail. If you add those tail together, it delivers quite a chunky benefit. Sometimes we don't see the tail enough. We go after the really exciting, chunky new technology that will deliver very large benefit over a multi-year period. So my advice would be to, uh, you know, take time to understand the business, take time to spend time with the GBS organization to really understand what they're trying to drive. And their advice is obviously really invaluable. So how do you create that partnership uh, so that 
you know, it's a win-win for technology as well as uh, JBS. That's very good advice. And I see that a lot in the in today's situation, right? Like every IT office is embarked on the S4 HANA journey or the Oracle cloud journey and all the money and focus is that. And then that is like a, sometimes a three to seven year journey and everything else takes a step back. So what you're saying is do that, but a lot can happen for the business in five to seven years. So also look at what else is going on in the business. Absolutely. Awesome. We know how busy you are. Thank you so much for taking time and being a guest on our podcast. Thank you. Pleasure, Shashi. Pleasure to see you again. No, it was my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. Very nice to meet you as well, Sasha.